Welcome back to the Doing Good Podcast, where we talk to volunteers about their experiences serving their communities. I'm Megan McGinnis, your host for this episode. I'm glad you're with us today as we celebrate amazing volunteers, their stories, organizations, and their passion for making a difference. We encourage you to celebrate a volunteer you know and share today's story with someone to hopefully educate or even inspire them to act. Now, on to celebrating those who are doing good. Hi, Bernice. We're so glad you're here today. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are so the listeners can understand better about who they're listening to today? Yes. Hi, my name is Bernice Carnett, and I'm here today to be interviewed about my volunteering with the animal shelters here in Middle Tennessee. Outstanding. Tell us about your passion. How did it start? Well, growing up, I really had a love for outdoors and nature and animals and I collected every turtle and everything you could think of, and I really thought I was going to become a veterinarian up through high school. And then just something led me a different path once I went to college, and I decided I loved medicine, and I became a physician. And I thought one day I would just maybe own, you know, dogs and animals, which my parents, my mother never let me have because she always thought she would be the one taking care of them. Oh, that's adorable. That is great. So you say that you volunteer with animal shelters, plural. Which ones do you volunteer with? Well, it was basically a continuum because COVID kind of changed things for a lot of people on the map. I had started with Metro Animal Care and Control, which is the main animal shelter in Davidson County in Middle Tennessee. And then they shut down because of COVID to the volunteers. And then I ended up helping out at Animal Rescue Corps, which was about 45 minutes away from here, as well as Williamson County Animal Shelter that stayed open. So at least it gave me a good purpose that I could pour my heart and energies into some other homeless, you know, animals that could use extra support. That's terrific. And so would you do the same type of service with each one or how would you volunteer with them? Yes. So in Animal uh, Rescue Corps, what they did was they had a temporary shelter set up and they would go around all over the country. And if there were hoarding cases or breeders all over the country, they would bring these animals back to their facility where we would take care of them until they could transport them to up north or to other places where they could be, you know, fostered or other animal shelters. So basically what we were doing is providing support, love, affection, just allowing them to feel, you know, safe and cleaning cages, which I didn't mind at all, just so they would have because they were never exposed to humans. And then Williamson County was a little bit different where it was an actual shelter. And I went there to help with, you know, the dogs mostly, as well as learn how to do what we call play groups, which became a big part of why I volunteer at the shelters. Can you tell us more about play groups? Yeah. So it's called Dogs Playing for Life. And it's an organization that goes all over the country and they work more specifically with shelters to help these dogs form these play groups, almost like you see when people go to, 
the play yards with the dogs, but it's done in very controlled settings. So we'll have dogs that are the rough and rowdies and like to wrestle or the ones that just like to do zoomies and chase each other or the ones that just like to walk around and we call them the gentle dainties. And why it's so important, these dogs are, as you know, they're cooped up in a kennel 24-7 and they are so stressed out, they're very anxious or they're shut down, they're shaking in the back of their kennels and they won't come out and they're really scared of people. So this gives us a chance for us to socialize them and where they may be shut down and not be able to socialize with humans we can bring them into the play yard with their other fur balls and they just transform and come to life and start playing and they just become dogs again. And it's the best feeling in the world for us as you know, volunteers to see this happen because then we know we've turned that corner and they're on their way. And then by the time these dogs go back into the shelter, you don't, you can hear a pin drop. It's so quiet. They're not barking. They're not stressed. They're not reacting in their kennel and they're taking a nap because they've had a good, you know, tussle and they've gotten their energies out and it makes them more adoptable. And I just love the idea of the dogs coming to life and being dogs again. Right. And, and it sounds obviously like they have touched you. Can you tell us a story or two about a time when you, helped a dog? Yes. So now what happened was I had spent about a year and a half at Williamson and then Metro Animal Care and Control, they reopened after COVID and allowed the volunteers. And and I realized, although it was fun and I was learning a lot at Williamson, the need was really at Metro. So I had to just say I had to let go of Williamson and go back to Metro full time you know, and be there to help out. And that's where my heart was because as much as I made so many incredible friends and, 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 you know, volunteers and staff, it was hard leaving, but I knew where I needed to be. And so I've now gone back full time at Metro. So it's not necessarily one story because every one story leads to another story. And every time I think I've hit the most unbelievable story where my heart pours out and I couldn't be more fulfilled and burst. It's just another one in the wings of another dog that, you know, either needs me or I feel like I've done a good service to get it out of the shelter for good. So it can vary from a dog that's insecure and shut down to a dog that is scared of strangers that I have to work with that build their confidence to a dog that's too energetic and out of control and nobody will adopt this dog because it's too wild in its presentation in the kennel. So I'm going to work with all these dogs that are behaviorally challenged, so to speak, because they're the ones that in my heart of heart needs me the most to help them find their forever home and, and eventually get out of the shelter. It sounds like you pour yourself into them. Yeah. Right. And it sounds too like I'll say the measurement of success for you is when they're finally adopted. Is that right? What's interesting, it's not necessarily that they're adopted. Also, what's been really wonderful lately is that we've had uh, rescues that now help 
us transport dogs because I don't know if you're aware the need is so much greater up north for dogs to be adopted because they don't have as much the problem of homeless animals up north that they do down south. Why is that? Don't know if it's geography, if it's mentality. It's hard to say. So very often now we have transports that will pull dogs that have either been here long term because, you know, they just, everybody knows them and they just know their, you know, behavior and they just feel that they're too much. And then they pull them and they go on to a foster up north and they get adopted. And to me, you know, that's as wonderful a story as if the day they walk out of their shelter with their forever home. So it's just great. And then you see these follow-up photos or videos to see them happy again. They could be from here to New York City or Philadelphia or Connecticut. So these transports have made such a big deal right now with a lot of our dogs because we are right now inundated, unfortunately, in so many shelters across the country as well as ours post-COVID. Wow. Are there resources or websites, organizations, you know, anything that comes to mind as I'll say places where we as listeners can go to learn more about how we can help or maybe about if we're just interested in more of the process that you're talking about, how can we find out more? Any local shelter is always going to be needing volunteers and especially now post-COVID. And the reason why I say that, because before COVID, you know, there was a lot of people home and they had their dogs. And then when COVID hit, so many people had lost their jobs or they were doing remote, you know, home work. And so they felt like, well, I'll get a dog so I can keep a dog at home and I could still work and have companionship. And then when people went back to work and they no longer could work remote, or they were having financial hardships, or they had to move to find new jobs. And as you know, with inflation, people had to start surrendering dogs. They couldn't afford the costs. As you know, with inflation, you can't afford veterinarian bills. You can't afford food. You can't take care of your own, or you had to move, or you had to go to an apartment where you're no longer allowed to have dogs. So all these dogs or animals had to go somewhere and they've ended up in the shelters. And so all the shelters and rescues are now inundated and overwhelmed. And it's been very emotionally difficult for staff and everybody involved. So if, if you felt like you could make a difference, I think a big difference would be going to your local shelter and trying to volunteer. Now, there are, there are a lot of people who emotionally can't go into a shelter. It's really hard for them and totally understand that. But there are other ways you can help out. Fostering is a really big deal. And I have friends who can't walk into the shelter, but they have no, no problem taking a kitten or a dog and help fostering them and helping them find their forever home through fostering. And they never have to really step foot into the kennels and they make such a big, you know, big effort and a big deal for these shelters by just fostering. Or, you know, you can do an event and you can take a dog out for the day. You know, you can take them hiking, you can take them home with you and it just can be for hours. You can take them to a sporting event and they get to, you know, preview these dogs. 
we had three out of five dogs get adopted because they went to the National Soccer Pup Cup, as we called it, and three out of the five got adopted. So you can make a really big deal without ever having to really step foot if you can't emotionally handle it. Right, because that does sound like that would be a big step, not just for me, but for a lot of people. So because I think there would be a lot to be hit with at once in walking into all these, I'll say walking between the dogs in their kennels and feeling all of that emotion. But tell me more about this event idea, because I think that's adorable and I've never heard of such a thing. So ideally, does a person just, I'll say, pull up on the search engine on the internet and say, you know, local dog event or nonprofit? How does that work? So if you wanted to volunteer, the best thing to do would be actually to go to the website or you can actually go to the shelter. And usually there's applications for volunteers and you have to usually fill out an application and go through, you know, an orientation. But if you're only going to foster, you don't even have to do an orientation. You just have to sit through a foster, you know, orientation. So these events come up through the shelters. So it's not through necessarily the soccer club or the hockey organization. There'll be postings of we're having a shelter cup from the Nashville hockey group, or we're going to have, you know, a, going to the Sa- Nashville Sounds game for the baseball and you can take a dog. So that's how you can sign up and get involved. We'll go to the Cheekwood, which is our botanical gardens, and you could take a dog for Halloween and dress them up in a costume and take them for the day to parade them around and show them off. So there are so many different ways you can participate and showcase these dogs over and over again. I took them to a music event at the local park wearing their adoption vest and gotten them uh, adopted just by walking around and schmoozing. Oh, that's adorable. And what a great way for someone who's maybe not sure if they're comfortable being around a dog or feeling like they may be capable of taking care of a dog, this would be a great way to introduce them to it, whether it's that person is an adult or child. It sounds smart. I love that idea. What do you think in all your time of volunteering and the different ways you've served these wonderful animals, how do you think they have impacted you? Well, you know, I've always been the firm belief that I don't rescue the dog. The dogs rescue me. And I say that because, you know, after I retired about three and a half years ago, you know, I was a physician. And so you can imagine the hours and I was just working was my life. So then all of a sudden retiring, I had all this time and you start to think, well, what am I going to do with all this time? So I poured my heart and my time and I, I laughed because I think I spent more, more hours at the shelter than I did in my full-time job. And I get, you know, laughter from so many volunteers and they said, oh, I know you. You're the one that's at the shelter every single day. So I think it's that, you know, as we often say, I think I get a lot more from them than I give of them. Because I think as a physician, I always enjoyed giving and helping others. And I think it's the same way of being at the shelter. It's not about me. It's all about them. And and that's where my passion, if I can make their temporary stay. And that's how I look at it. You know, it's sometimes it can be very emotional. And I try to tell other volunteers who find it, you know, overwhelming or too much. I just say to myself, I keep my my blinders on and I say, 
I am there for the emotional support, to love, to ease their fear, to build their confidence when they're temporarily housed at the shelter until they find their forever home. And that's how I keep going because I just see it as I'm the conduit to to help them. And I know it's not forever that they're going to be at that shelter. That's so wonderful. That And that is also, I'll say, something that anybody who has a passion for animals can be. Everybody can be a temporary help in some way, right? Not everybody can be there six or seven days a week. But you bring up a really good point. Just frankly, you talked about being retired. You talked about now that you might even be spending more time at the shelters than you are working, which good for you. That's wonderful. Because it means to me that you're really just loving this new season in life and you're right where you should be. So what other tips would you suggest to all, say, people who are retiring and entering this new phase in life uh, when they're looking at where to volunteer or if to volunteer? Right. Well, I, I always remember my friends who were a couple years ahead of me with uh, retiring, and they always said, don't just retire and not have a purpose. I have friends who work in the food bank and just love it with a passion. You can work at a botanical garden. You could help at a, a state park. There's so much in need out there, and there's always something that you loved, whether it's a hobby that you can give of yourselves. And, and I feel that that's kind of where I tell people that they should have something, whether it's once a day, it can be a couple hours. I tell people, even if you have one or two hours to spare, you're making a difference. That could be, you know, that could be 10 dogs that you could be getting out of their kennel or five dogs that would never get out of their kennel if it wasn't for you coming that that particular day. Right. Oh, so right. And to a lot of people when they retire may have forgotten some of their passions because they've been so focused for so long on their career. But you mentioned earlier about how your love of dogs began as a child. So do you have any suggestions for I'll say how to where they can find that passion in their lives again? What I ended up doing, how I came across this is when I was about a year close to retiring, I found they're called meetup groups and they're all over the country. And, you know, this way, if you're single or by yourself, there's always people, you know, that you can be with and friends and you make new friends. And I started doing hiking groups and I started doing kayaking groups and it just exploded from there. And one of them was this wonderful organization called Tales of the Trail. And, and what happened was I went a couple of times and what we did was we would, volunteers would show up and you go to different shelters and we went to, you know, that there was hardly any volunteers and the dogs were stuck in the kennels and we'd show up in the mornings and we would get out a bunch of dogs, depending on how many volunteers would be. And we'd either load them in the car and take them to hiking or we'd load them in the car and go to a greenway and we'd spend hours walking with them and loving on them. And I loved it. We went to rescues. They could be boxer rescues and we'd get the boxers out and we'd spend, you know, hours taking them for walks because these dogs only would stay in kennels. And we realized it was such an enrichment for these dogs to get out of these, you know, unfortunate situations. And once I realized 
I had done Metro Animal Care and Control, I realized that was it. I stopped right there and I thought, that's where I'm needed and that's where I'm going to help out now. And so other people joined the organization and gone on to other shelters. But that's how I landed at this particular animal shelter, just by going there one day and participating in this group. And it was just love at first sight, as they say. So there's so much out there for people, no matter what your hobby or interest in, you can always find a group and get involved that way. And that's how I ended up falling into such a wonderful retirement. I love that. I love it. And for those who are interested, I'm a big fan of Meetup as well. So that's online at www.meetup.com. You can just plug in any number of interests and just find out what's going on in your area or nearby. Just show up and have a good time with all these wonderful like-minded people. What parting thoughts do you want to share with our listeners today? Well, I I guess I would say, you know, to become a volunteer, it's never easy, especially in a shelter. And it certainly is an emotion. It's an emotional roller coaster. It's not all, as we say, you know, roses and that sort of thing. And you have to realize that there's not going to be always the perfect outcome because, you know, there's a, we're an open shelter. So there's a lot of dogs being surrendered and they, you know, might have behavioral issues or they've been abused and they don't always end up with a happy story. And you just have to say to yourself that when you're there providing, as I mentioned, the love, the support, easing their fear, that that would supersede any heartbreak that you're going to happen. And I could say that I always leave the shelter so fulfilled that I've had a purpose. And if I start out my day a bit mediocre, I've always left the shelter a happier person than I've started the day. As I mentioned, they rescue me, I don't rescue them. So I say for people who, although it could be difficult, you have the support of your fellow volunteers, you have support of your staff, you have these dogs giving you unconditional love, And, you know, you make the most amazing friends, the camaraderie that you have, and you realize the compassion that people have, that they open not only their hearts, but their homes to these dogs. That is fantastic. I absolutely know that you are in the right place with these dogs, and they are lucky to have you each day, each hour that they get to be with you. And I thank you for sharing your time with us today and helping not only educate, but inspire the rest of us with your story of passion, with your commitment to these dogs and to dogs at various different nonprofits and government agencies. That's incredibly inspiring to me. I can't thank you enough for being here today, Bernice. And we'll give one last shout out to the Animal Rescue, their names and websites. Yeah, I don't have their websites with me, but I'll be able to give that later. But it's Metro Animal Care and Control, and that's in Davidson County. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Bernice. It's really been a pleasure to talk with you and to listen to you today. Thank you for sharing your time. And thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Doing Good Podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation today, we invite you to subscribe or rate us on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Doing Good TV. Doing Good is a 501c3 nonprofit. Please donate to support this podcast and more via the donate button on our website, doinggood.tv. 
together, let's celebrate those who are doing good.